0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Uh, so we are continuing our Shades of Grey series. And essentially, what this series is, is we're spending a series of three or four weeks talking about empathy. Empathy. And this is our way to talk about empathy. And so in week one, Bob started us off talking about cultural empathy. And essentially what he was doing in week one is laying the foundation for the rest of the series of this idea that just because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. Okay? Just because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. And so he talked about different cultures and how different cultures have different views and different ideas. And just because their views and ideas are different than your views and ideas and your culture does not mean that that culture is necessarily wrong. It's just different. Last week, um, I shared about political empathy. And it was, um, it was a really fun talk. I really enjoyed sort of diving into that and, and talking about how um, we need to be a people that listen to people who come from different perspectives. Right? We need to listen to different voices. We need to be a student, not just a critic. When we hear something that's different from ours, we don't need to just be like, oh, that's wrong, that's bad, that's terrible. But let's be a student to um, kind of gain an understanding of why they think what they think and believe what they believe and vote like they vote. Like, w- rather than condemning them for arriving there, figure out what it took to get them there, right? So you can have some understanding and empathy in that. And then the final thing was love. And so if you miss either one of those weeks, um, I just brushed over it in 30 seconds, but they're both... Both of those talks um, and all of our talks are up on our podcast at centralchurch.cc slash podcast. Um, The political one, if you did miss that last week, I would encourage you guys to check it out because honestly, I think it can really, really help kind of give perspective to this next political cycle and what's going to happen this next year with all the you know commercials and debates and voting and all the different things. I think it. I think it can really help sort of put some framework, some some biblical framework around that. So make sure you guys check that out. Today we are continually continuing the conversation on empathy, which is like you know understanding where other people are coming from and having uh, insights that are broader and bigger than than your own. And we're talking about theological empathy, meaning uh, empathy. With other people's faith journeys, empathy with other people's belief systems, empathy with other people's belief structures and what they believe, and understanding that people believe different things and that's okay. People believe different things and people are at different places in their faith journey and that is okay. And so we're going to talk through that a little bit this morning. But first, um, and I know I've shared this with a lot of you, and if you've been around here at all, you've heard me talk about my upbringing, and my uh, uh, sort of reality in church, and all of that, and so I was, uh, religion was huge to me in my upbringing, and I use the word religion intentionally, I'm not saying my relationship with Jesus was huge to me in my upbringing, I'm not saying that going to church was huge to me my I'm saying religion was huge in my upbringing, it was a huge factor in my entire life, this idea of, of religion. See, the goal for me was to be super saved. You guys ever heard of that statement before, super saved? Those are the people that Jesus juke you. You're, like, you're, you're trying to talk to them and then they like, lay something super saved on you and you're like, I instantly feel bad about myself. For saying something that shouldn't make me feel bad about myself, but you just did that to me, right? My, my, my goal was to be super Sam. My goal was to be a super Christian. My goal was to be super Sam, right? And so I grew up in church. I spent my whole childhood in church. I was the kid in kids' church that was going, like, hard on the motions, right? Like, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, uh, oh, oh, let my people go, huh, right? Anybody? Anybody? PTSD from that? Yes? No? Maybe so? Some of you are like, I do, but I'm not. I'm not admitting it. It's taken years of counseling to forget that. Please stop. Um, you know, in kids' church, I was going hard. In youth group, I went hard. I went to all, like, the youth conferences, and I was in the youth band, and I was in the student leadership team, and all these different things. Um, I, I had, like, a collection of WWJD bracelets. Anyone else? Don't lie. Don't lie. Okay, yeah, be real, right? We would go to the Christian bookstore. Remember when that was a thing before Amazon? Uh, we, would go, we would go to the Christian bookstore when they would release a new color of the WWJD bracelet, right? Anyone else have, like, every color? Every single color. And then they came out with rainbow. They had literally all the colors in it. And I was like, what? Explosions in my mind. I can't believe they're this smart and creative, right? Crazy. But I was like, that was me as a kid. Like, I was into it. And I, I have another confession to make while I'm making confessions. I wore Christian T-shirts. It's not something I'm proud of. Okay. I'm actually a little ashamed, and so I would like to publicly apologize to anyone in my sphere of influence for wearing Christian t-shirts as a young child and teenager, but I did it, right? So my goal was to be like super Christian Sam, right? Super saved, you know, hey, look, I'm on fire for God. I'm all that, which is a strange statement when you actually think about it, but I I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in. I love Jesus. I'm doing my thing, right? But the byproduct of that being my goal, the byproduct of me trying to be super Sam, super Christian, super this, super that, you know, going hard on the moves in kids church and really like doing, checking all the right, checking all the right boxes, doing all the right things. A byproduct of that is that I didn't become super saved Sam. I became super judgmental Sam. And that's, that's the harsh reality of it. There was a constant comparison going on. You know, I'm sitting here going, Barrow, barrow, hitting the moves. But, like, I'm looking around, like, is anyone else hitting these moves as hard as I'm hitting these moves? Because, like, Jesus is loving my moves, but he's not loving their moves because they're talking, right? That became, I mean, it's a joke, but... That became sort of my perspective. I was in this constant comparison trap of I'm doing the right things. I was at church all week. I was at church every time the doors were open. Were you at church every time the doors were open? Are you as saved as, as much as I'm saved? Are you as holy as much as I'm holy? I serve in the youth band. I'm on the prayer team. I'm on the, and, and It became this like, list of accolades of how holy and super saved I was. Right? And so I was consistently becoming like a scorekeeper and a fruit inspector of other people, wondering if they were as Christian as I was because I was going so hard as being a Christian. And that wasn't my intention. I wasn't like, yo, I'm going to be a jerk to everybody because I love Jesus. Like that wasn't, but that's what happened. That was the reality. That was the byproduct of me chasing this ideology of being super saved or whatever. And so um, essentially what was happening, if I can sort of. Uh, paint a word picture for you. Essentially what was happening is I unintentionally constructed a box in my faith. I unintentionally constructed a box in my, uh, you know, faith journey, my understanding of God. And so if you guys are into podcasts, uh, Rich and I have a podcast called Theobrogens, right? Coolest name ever. Uh, and we actually talked about this in our last podcast, but we, I, I unintentionally constructed a box and inside of this box was all the right things. Inside of this box was going to kids' church, doing the Pharaoh Pharaoh moves harder than anyone else in kids' church, <laughs> right? Paying attention to the lesson, learning my memory verse. Going into this box was, um, you know, going to youth group and wearing my Christian T-shirts and sporting my WWJD bracelets. That went into my, my box. What went into my box was, was attending church and not missing church and not playing sports that played on Sundays, right? That became like a thing in my house. And it was like, yo, that goes in the box. That's the right thing. That's the right thing. Outside of the box were all the wrong things. All the things that didn't get me closer to God. All the things that were sinful and that were wrong and all this stuff. And so this box that I created with my ideas about who God was and who God wanted me to be, this box became what dictated whether you were in or out. If you match up with the things that are inside of my box for my understanding of God and my understanding of following Jesus, and my understanding of Christianity, and what I think you should do and not do, if you line up with the things in my box, then you're in. You're a Christian. You're good. You can come to church with me. You can be part of my crew, right? If you don't align with the things in my box, you're out, you're bad, you're evil, you're not okay, right? And this began to happen, and I believe that many of us construct a box like this. It's not intentionally, It was never my intention to construct something that excluded everyone that doesn't agree with me. That was never my intention. My intention was to be super Sam, super Christian, right? That was the idea. But a byproduct of that is that I excluded most people because they didn't fit into my box. And I think many of us create a box, we construct a box like this. I feel like many of us live in a box like this. And I believe that many of us protect these boxes with all of our heart. We work so hard and spend so much time, effort, and energy to protect these boxes. Because you know what these boxes are? These theological boxes, this, this theological framework that we set up for ourselves? You know what these boxes are? They're safe. These boxes are safe. This is what I believe. This is where I stand. This is truth. This is right. Other things are wrong. It's safe, right? It's comfortable. Because we've already neglected everything that, doesn't make us, that makes us uncomfortable. Those are not in our box, the things that are in our box are things that align with us, things that we agree with, things that make us feel good and make us feel comfortable. The things that are inside of our box are predictable. There's not a lot of wiggle room inside of our box because we've eliminated all of that. Because wiggle room is uncomfortable. Wiggle room is, is vulnerable. We don't, we don't need all that. And so we got our box and we live in it. And inside of our box, everything's figured out. Well, why, why would I ever question that? It's already figured out. It's in my box. Why would I ever explore that? It's... Already figured out. It's in my box. You know? The Bible says it. Paul believed it. Good enough for me. Right? It's in my box. I, I'm good. I'm good on that. And we love our box with all of our heart. But the reality is, it's, for a lot of us, it's unintentional. It's subconscious. It's not like we wake up and desire to do these things. And so when other people don't fit inside of our box, we immediately assume that they're wrong. Because all that's right is in my box. And if they don't align with what's in my box, they're wrong. They're, they're out there. I'm in here safe, secure, comfortable. Everything's figured out. Got it under control. But everybody else, no, no, they're wrong. And then that's when we throw around, even inside the church, that's when we throw around ideas of, like, heretic. They're a heretic because they don't agree with what's in my box, right? Oh, they're a sinner because they don't agree with what's in my box, these are people that are passionately pursuing Jesus, just doing it differently than us. And we're like, no, 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 they, nope, 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 nope. not in my box. They don't count. They're not, they, they don't, or they're deceived by Satan because they're not, you know, in my box. When in reality, many of these people that were like, nope, nope, they're wrong, blah, blah, many of these people, oftentimes, they just have a different perspective or a different view or a different idea, and their box looks a little bit different than your box, you know? And so just like last week when we talked in politics, we said that where you stand is determined by where you sit, right? Your political views are determined by what in life has led you to where you are. The sum accumulation of all of your experiences and your relationships and your knowledge and all this stuff comes together to give you where you stand. Your context is where you sit. Where you stand is your beliefs and your perspectives, right? That's the idea in politics. Same thing with our understanding of God. Where you sit determines where you stand. Your life experiences, the things that you have experienced or haven't experienced, the people that you've done life with, your family context, your cultural context, your socioeconomic context, all of these things come together to build your understanding of who God is. And everyone has a different path to lead to where they believe who God is and all that. Everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different process. Everyone has a different path to get them there. So everyone's just going to look a little bit different. And that's okay. Because so often in the church, we say, no, that's not okay. Here's the answer. Boom, black and white. It is or it ain't. And that's it. But I don't believe that that's the case. I want to suggest a different approach to your relationship with God. I want to suggest a different approach that's not necessarily constructing a box with parameters and say things need to fit inside of this to make sense. Things need to fit inside of this to be holy. Things need to fit inside of this to be God. Things need to fit inside of this for me to agree with you and be in fellowship with you. I want to suggest a different way. And in step one of this new way is destroying your box. Step one in this is, is like lighting your box on fire or drowning your box or uh, Hulk smashing your box or crushing your box, annihilating your box in any way, shape, or form that you possibly can imagine doing so. I would suggest you destroy your box of parameters of ins and outs and rights and wrongs and all of that. I, I would suggest you eliminate that process. And I would suggest instead that you place Jesus at the center of everything, and have all roads lead to that. Place Jesus at the center of everything and chase after that, with everything, in everything. In your work relationships, pursue Jesus. In your family relationships, pursue Jesus. In your conversations at the grocery store, pursue Jesus. With your work, pursue Jesus. With your family, pursue Jesus. With your free time, pursue Jesus. With your jokes, pursue Jesus. With your social media, pursue Jesus. All roads in life lead to Jesus. Because when we do this, listen, when we do this, when we shatter the box of parameters and we place Jesus at the center and allow everything to charge towards that, it literally changes everything about your relationship with God. It literally changes everything in your faith journey. It changes your perspective and your perspective of others. It changes the way you interact with God. It changes the way you interact with others. It changes the way that you view, perceive, and approach literally everything. Everything changes. There are no longer qualifiers for people to follow Jesus. There are no longer exterminators excluding people from following Jesus. There are no longer parameters and hoops to jump through and boxes to check to follow Jesus. Literally, anyone can follow Jesus. And I'm pretty sure that was the message of Jesus, right? He goes and recruits his disciples, and he's not like, hey, listen, I need you guys to go to seminary real quick and then come follow me. Hey, listen, I need you guys to hit up these couple of prayer meetings and church services. And he says, no, man, drop what you're doing and let's go. No qualifiers, no ex- exterminators, no, no. well hang on, do you, uh, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on the Trinity, the, you know, can you give me that, can, can you tell me your, uh, you know, your pneumatology, tell me your doctrine of the Holy Spirit, can you lay that on me, and then I'll let you know if you can follow me, oh no, no, see we don't, mm, nah, see we don't agree there, so sorry, you're out, next, next, who's the next disciple candidate, it's not the way, you, hey, drop your crap and let's go, they're like, go, oh, all right, let's go right? When we change this approach, it can literally change everything. It can change everything. It can free us up. We're no longer saying, here's my parameters. Does this fit? No. Okay, next. Does this fit? No. Okay, next. Does this fit? Yes. Okay, cool. Hey, you want to come to church with me? Okay, cool. Hey, does this fit? Oh, yeah, we can hang out then. We can be friends. Does Does this fit? Does this fit? Does this fit? And we stop walking around with our box trying to put everybody inside of it and apply our convictions and boxes to other people's lives, it frees us up from that because all that is is bondage and weight that we carry that trips us up from seeing Jesus because we're so worried about fitting everyone else into our box. It frees us from all of that. It literally changes everything when we say Jesus is in the center. I'm chasing after that. Hey, do you want to chase after that too? Oh, you do? Okay, come on. Let's go. Oh, do you? Okay, come on. Let's go. Oh, but you're involved. Okay, do you want to chase after Jesus? Okay, then let's go. Let's do it. Oh, you're involved in this, that, and whatever that I don't agree with? Hey, Here's the idea. If Jesus is at the center and he's pure light, no darkness can exist in him at all, correct? That's the theology. That's the idea. The closer you get to Jesus, the light's going to work out the darkness. Not our job to do it. It's not my job to look at you and say, hey, you need to take care of this, that, and the other, and then we can pursue Jesus together. It's like, no, you pursue Jesus and let him do it. That's his function. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's not the role of Sam. That's not the role of Super Sam over here to tell you what you're doing wrong to see Jesus. My job is to say, hey, look at Jesus. Hey, follow Jesus. Because if you do that, it's going to work itself out. And the things that you think should be worked out, if they don't get worked out, then obviously Jesus doesn't have a problem with it. You do. Now that's hard. And that's scary. And that's vulnerable. And that's why so many of us live in our boxes, and we like our boxes, and we're comfortable with our boxes, and we're safe in our boxes. Because what that does is that creates a lot of wiggle room for other people. And we don't like wiggle room. We like certainty. We like to know exactly what is and what ain't. And if there's any wiggle room there, it's uncomfortable. It creates a lot of wiggle room for other people for us to say, I'm pursuing Jesus, and that person's pursuing Jesus, but I don't agree with that person's lifestyle. I don't agree with what that person does for a living. I don't agree with how that person talks to their kids and raises their kids. I don't agree how that person handles business or conducts, but I don't agree with it. But, but it's, it's, not, it's not about that. It's about pointing them to Jesus and letting Jesus work and all that stuff out. But that's hard because that's what we do. We compare and we, we, we measure ourselves against other people, right? Are they doing the moves as hard as I'm doing the moves? Are they worshiping Jesus as hard as I'm worshiping Jesus? I mean, we do it in kids' church, and it's like, ha, 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 but then we do it in real life, and it's like, we really do that. We really do. We measure other people to our boxes of standards and all this stuff. And so when we construct a theological box, it creates this idea that either you're in or you're out, right? Either you fit the parameters or you don't. And there's not a lot of room for growth and process and journey. And I don't believe that scripture points to this kind of idea at all. I don't think scripture points to this idea of having parameters in a box and saying, get this figured out and you're in. Don't get it figured out and you're out. I don't think that's anywhere in scripture. I think that's constructed by the modern church. I think it's constructed by people like us who live in a culture that like nice, neat, compartmentalized boxes. And so we've done that to our relationship with Jesus and that was never the intention. I mean, all throughout scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. This is Paul talking. He's addressing the church in Corinth. Paul is a first-century church planner, right? He was around when Jesus was around. Jesus ascends to heaven, does his thing. Paul goes around and starts starting churches and says, hey, this is what you need to do to follow Jesus. This is how you need to work out your salvation. This is how you need to do all this stuff. He says to the church in Corinth, right? Chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. He says, "Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready." We hear this all the time talked about in churches of, "Oh, you need to get out of the milk and get to the meat, baby, got to get maturity." and all that, which is cool. Yes, that's one side of it. But you know what else is blatantly obvious from this? It's a process. It's a process. It's not an I'm all in or I'm all out. There's not boxes to jump in and out of. It's a journey. It's a process. And Paul's telling the Corinthians, he's saying, listen, he's calling them brothers. You guys have placed your faith in Christ, right? You're starting to do this thing. But guess what? I can't even tell you about all the stuff I need you to do because you don't get it. You're not there yet. And he's not talking to them post-process. He's talking to them in the process because at the very end he says, indeed, you are still not ready i got to talk to you in terms that you can understand because you're not there yet. You place Jesus at the center, you guys are way back here. So i got to talk to you back here, right, and move you closer. That's, that's the idea. There's a process here for everyone. It's a process. In, in, um, in what? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Who can by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil? Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. He's telling the Hebrew Church here. he's saying, "Listen, continue to grow in the process. Yes, there's milk, yes, there's meat." He uses the two words where he say, "elementary and maturity." He's saying, "Listen, this is a process. You don't need to stay in the elementary. You do need to move toward maturity. You do need to take steps in that direction. Yes, that is true, but you know what this is telling me? It's a process. There are steps to be taken, and there are different places in the process where different people are. People are at different places, moving at different paces in the process. In First uh, Peter chapter two, Peter says, he says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted the Lord is good. He says that you may grow up in your salvation. You don't jump into this thing knowing everything, doing everything right. The the passage earlier said, I couldn't even talk to you about the teachings about righteousness, life change and all of that. That comes later. Right now, you're still at the very beginning of this thing. And then then in the Peter passage, he says, you know, that you may grow up in your salvation because you've tasted the Lord. You're going to continue to move forward in that. When we put Jesus at the center and we point people toward that, they're going to continue to grow in that. They're going to continue to move towards the center. You know what's going to make them not want to move towards the center? When we try to put them in our box. When we try to say, no, you got to do this, that, and the other. Rather than saying, hey, you need to be like Jesus. You need to be like Jesus. You need to chase after Jesus. This is what you need to do. The more we experience God, the more we will grow in our salvation, is what, is what he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, which is exactly putting jesus at the center does it helps us to grow in our salvation the closer we get to the center check this out the closer we get to the center the bigger jesus gets the closer we get to the center the bigger jesus gets the bigger jesus gets the more we realize we have no idea we have no idea the bigger he gets we we, we learn new things new if you ever encounter anyone who has certainty. And wants to tell you this is the way that it is for sure I want you to turn and run because the reality is if Jesus is here if they're certain about things about God they're way back here in the process they're at the very beginning of the journey because certainty is a surefire sign of immaturity if you can be certain about God you have a very small view of who God is because the closer you get to God the bigger he gets and the more you go whoa holy crap I thought it was this way, it's not. I thought it was that way, it's not. Because he blows your thoughts and your understandings out of the water the closer you get to him, the bigger he gets. The closer we get to the center, the closer we get to Jesus, the more sin will fall away. Stop worrying about worrying about other people's sin. The closer they get to Jesus, the more sin that's going to fall away. That's just the reality of it. In him can dwell no darkness. Sin can have no place in Jesus. And so the closer you get to Jesus, the more that sin is going to fall away. Stop trying to make it fall away for other people. Point of to Jesus. The closer we get to the center, the more like Jesus we're going to become. The more like Jesus we are going to be day in and day out in our decisions and our proactive work and our reactive work, all of that. So here's where theological empathy comes into play when we Hulk smash our boxes that we try to fit everybody in and we place Jesus at the very center and we chase after that with all that we have and encourage anyone else and everyone else to chase after that with all that they have, we have to realize that not everyone is at their same place in their journey. Not everyone started at the same time and is moving at the same speed towards the center. And so there needs to be empathy. There needs to be grace. There needs to be understanding for that. I mean, even in this room, some people in this room have been following Jesus literally since Jesus walked the earth. You know, I'm not going to point out anybody because I think Don and Paul are awesome and I would never do that to them. You know? I really like those guys and I wouldn't I wouldn't say that about them. You know? But I mean, some of you some of some of you have been, <laughs> literally since Jesus walked the earth. Um so, some of you some of you've been following Jesus for like what? 15 20 years. You know, they do like the wedding dance. I wish we could do that. Everybody get up and dance and like at the wedding. If you've been married for 10 years, sit down. If you've been married for five years, you guys ever do that before? Yeah. Um, it's like that. I mean, many of you have been following Jesus for like 10 years. And so, I mean, you're, you're 10 years in this thing, right? Many of you jumped on board like five years ago. Some of you uh, have, have been following, I mean, Tara, you've been following Jesus since like you took your first breath in this world, right? I mean, that's just you, your you're dad and your family. I mean, that's the way some of us have been in it their entire lives. Some of us, we've been in it about two years, And you're like, oh, man, did he say Paul? Who's this Paul guy he's talking about? Like, what does he look like? Is he here today? Right? And we're like, what's going on? Some of us have been around for like two years. Some of us have been around two months. Some of us have been around two minutes. Some of us aren't even around yet. We're just here because someone else made us come. We're like, all right, well, I'm not asleep yet, so I guess I'll give it a little longer. Right? I mean, that's the reality. We are all at different places in our faith journey. We are all at different places and our understanding of who God is and what that looks like worked out in the world around us. And so we can't hold other people to our standard. We can't make other people try to fit into our box of what we think it should be and how we think it should be. Because they're not there. You might be there, but they're not there. And another reality for us to, to kind of wrap our heads around is that some people have been following Jesus since he walked the earth and could arrive in two completely different positions about who God is, because where they stand is determined by where they sit. Their their, their relationship with God, their exploration of God, their study, their life experiences, all these things come together to give them an understanding of who God is, and that could be completely different from someone else who's been doing it just as long and just as fervently. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a one-answer-and-everyone-else-is-wrong kind of situation. That was never the intention but us and our compartmentalized brains with our compartmentalized, neat, neatly you know, diced and compacted lives, we try to do that with our relationship with God, and that's not how it works. We don't do that with other relationships, you know? We don't, we don't make like this compartmentalized, like, okay, I'm going to spend 745 to 751 talking to my wife today, and then I'm going to work, and I'm going to talk to my boss from this time to that time, and then I'm going to do that, and then I'm going to call my wife to make sure she has dinner at this time, and then I'm going to come home. Like, We don't do that. We don't do it, but we try to do that with God. We try to do that with our relationship with God. We try to compartmentalize everything into neat, nice, neat little boxes, and that's not the way that it works. Everyone is going to be at different places in their faith journey because they're in different places traveling at different paces. We're going to have a different understanding of things. It's just the way that it is. We're going to have different understandings of things, and, and, and it's actually really kind of cool. That's what's cool about a place like this. I love this church because of the diversity and theological approaches and theological perspectives. I think it's super cool. This is not a church of uniformity, but it's a church of unity, which I think is awesome. We have many differing opinions and different views on many, many different things. You know, if you take uh, CC101 here, which if you have not taken CC101, I don't care how long you've been attending you should take CC 101. CC 101 is a crash course of who we are, what we believe, where we stand, and how you fit into it. We do a spiritual gifts assessment. We do a personality assessment. We try to find the way that you best connect with our church, and we can work together and move forward in your faith journey and the faith journey of this church. And so if you have not taken CC 101, take it. But in CC 101, we cover our basic beliefs. And we say in CC 101, these are our closed-handed issues. Because I don't want you to think that I'm saying, oh, throw it all to the wind, whatever goes, hey, hippy-dippy stuff. Like, that's, that's not what I'm saying, okay? There are closed-handed issues. Like, Jesus, not really up for debate, okay? Like, we believe he was the son of God. We believe that he came, uh, you know, for us, on behalf of us. So like, the whole gospel thing. That's kind of closed-handed, right? There are certain things that are closed-handed. The Holy Spirit, full of God, yes, that's that's a given. We're not really going to talk about that and be like, oh, well, maybe he is not. No, nope. he is. That's our closed handed stance, right? We have about a handful of those. Everything else is open-handed. Everything else is open. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's work this out in, com- in the context of community and relationship and conversations. And at the end of that conversation, you might feel that option A is the only way to go, and I might feel like option B is the only way to go, but ultimately, if we agree on the close-handed things, let's keep chasing after Jesus together. And one of us is going to get it worked out the closer we get to Jesus. That's the idea. That's what's so awesome about this church. And in, in our, in our, in our core values, one of our core values is that we don't major in the minors. We're very intentional about that. We don't major in the minors because we want unity in the body of Christ. Do you think that when you get to heaven or you get to spend eternity with God or whatever you think that looks like, do you think that everybody there is going to think exactly like you think and believe exactly like you believe? Guys, come on. It's like billions of people. You think everybody fits into your box? No, because the box was never the intended mode. The box was never the intended strategy. That was never the idea. But subconsciously, we create it, we love it, we live into it, whatever. But guys, we're going to have different understandings of the church. We're gonna have different understandings and belief systems about social issues. We're gonna have different understandings and belief systems about all kinds of things, heaven and hell and, and, and New Testament and Old Testament and holiness and righteousness and hermeneutics, which is a way, you know, principles of literary interpretation of how you interpret the Bible. We're gonna have differences in that. We're gonna have differences in the scriptures. We're gonna have differences in prayers. We're gonna have differences in different doctrines like like pneumatology and soteriology and Christology and hermitology, like all, All the different ologies except for Scientology. We're going to have just all kinds of thoughts on those, right? We all know the Scientology stuff's cuckoo, right? That's that's one of our close-handed issues around here. (laughs) But no, seriously. Like, we're going to have different thoughts on that. And you know what? That's okay. As long as we're pursuing Jesus together, we don't need to let those things divide us. We don't need to let those things separate us. This is is one of the things I love so much about this church because there's such diversity in all these different theological approaches. There's such diversity in in our views of practical faith issues. There's such diversity in our approach to Jesus. And I believe that that gives way to unity. I think that's huge. I mean, you can have 50 different conversations in here and land 50 different places. And that's awesome. That's healthy. That's how iron sharpens iron. If everybody's exactly the same, nobody's sharpening anybody. If everybody's exactly the same, nobody's challenging anybody. If everybody's exactly the same, nobody's learning anything from anybody. The context of community that we have here is so special and so awesome. And so here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today with the same challenge I gave last week. The same challenge I gave last week with the politics. Last week I said you need to listen, you need to learn, and you need to love. Um... And this week, I'm saying the same thing. And Rich, Rich is speaking next week, and he said he's going to change his to eat, pray, love. And I was like, that's a good idea. Yeah, think about it. Um, listen. Listen to different voices and perspectives, okay? Just listen. Don't try to fit their faith journey into your box. Don't try to fit their faith experience into your box, and then when it doesn't, you shut them out listen to people who are different than you listen to people who have different theological perspectives than you do now that doesn't mean you have to accept everything you say you could listen to it and go okay i listened i understand you're still wrong but at least i listened right i mean that's reality i'm not saying you have to be just like an open door and let any anything goes i'm not saying that you know you have a brain you have intellect you have reason you have logic you can make those things happen right but are you listening Are you at least giving it a shot and giving it a chance to understand where they're coming from and why they're coming from that angle and why they believe what they believe, how they arrive there? Don't try to fit their faith journey into your box. Number two is learn. Be a student, not just a critic. You know, last week I said, pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance. Remember that? Pay attention to the frontiers of your ignorance. We, we all have ignorance. We all have things that we don't understand that we're not knowledgeable on. Pay attention to those. And when something comes across that and you're like, how could they possibly think that? All that did is acknowledge something about you that you don't know how they did that. So figure it out. Learn it. Don't just shut it down and say, oh, it's different, so it's wrong. It's different, so it's bad. It's different, so it's evil. It's different, so they're deceived. I'm enlightened, they're deceived. Like, don't do that. Don't use your box as the measuring stick. Literally try to be a student, not a critic. Okay, I understand that you believe completely different about this than me. How did you get there? Why do you believe that? What did you learn in your life? What did you experience in your life that brought you to that place? Rather than condemning them for being there, learn how they got there. Be a student, not a critic. And then the last one is love. Love unconditionally like Christ loves unconditionally. Pray that God would give you the heart of Christ. Pray that God would give you the eyes of Christ, the ears of Christ. Of Christ, the love of Christ. If we're pointing people to Jesus, we just say, "Yo, I love you. Follow Jesus. I ain't gotta worry about all that. Just, just follow, follow Him. I'm follow. Let's follow Him together." See the process. You know, a lot of people. This has become a buzzword in Christianity and everything. But the process of smashing your box, smashing all your preconceived ideas. That that process is is coined as deconstruction. It's where you deconstruct the faith that's been built for you your entire life. And you come to this decision point where you're like, okay, am I gonna believe what grandma said or what my denomination said or what my podunk pastor said or what this or am I gonna look at scriptures and am I gonna look at Jesus and figure out what I believe is true? And making your faith your own. It's this process called deconstruction. And when you get into this, listen, it's hard and it's very scary. It really is. Because like I said, it rattles your box. It shakes your comfort zone. It makes you uncomfortable. It makes you unsure about things. It makes you, like, you start pulling a thread and say, okay, well, what's the story on this? What? Well, if Jesus, like, this is different. And so you pull and you pull and you pull and it keeps going and it keeps going and you're like... It can be overwhelming. Have you guys ever heard, the, it reminds me of that Weezer song, right? If you want to destroy my sweater, whoa, 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 pull this thread as I walk away. Anyone know that song? I sing it much better. Anyone know that song? Okay. Those are the true Christians. Look around. My Weezer friends. But the deconstruction can be like that. Did you like my whoa, whoa, whoa in there? That was a highlight of my sermon, I think. When you start to pull the thread, though and things start to unravel, it's scary. It is. It's freaky. You're like, oh my gosh, what What do I do? How, whoa. And so here would be my encouragement to you. Please, don't do that by yourself. Don't do that alone. That's why coming to church is so important. That's why having a faith community is so important. Because you can go through that process together. If you have questions and you start breaking down your box and you're going... Wait a second. Well, if that means that, then this means. What do I? Oh, bleh, ah, and you're getting like super. Come talk to me. Talk to Rich. Talk to Bob. Talk to Ken. Talk to Paul. Talk to Lauren. Talk to talk 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 to somebody. Go through this with somebody. Don't do it by yourself because it's hard and it's scary and it's uncomfortable and it rattles your world and it shakes your world a little bit. Don't do it by yourself. Do it with somebody because there's deconstruction, but then there's also reconstruction where you put it back together. And when you put it back together within the context of community, it's so much easier. It's so much safer. It feels so much better to do it that way. And so I would please, I would beg you, I would encourage you, that if you do start to destroy your box, and things start to unravel a little bit, do it with somebody. Let somebody know that that's going on and do it with them. Don't do it by yourself, because it's a lot to take on. It's a lot to handle. But I promise you, if you do it, If you destroy the box and you put Jesus at the center and you start chasing after that, I promise you it changes literally everything. It changes everything about your relationship with him. It changes your relationship with others. It changes your view of other people's relationship with God. It changes everything. Everything. It's super scary, but it is so, so, so worth it. Let me pray for you guys. God.